Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined once again by Colin Haas Hill. Uh, second week of September, uh, we still have no idea when Ohio State is going to play its next football game. So uh, we're really not going to talk too much about that today because we, we've talked about this this Big Ten saga the last few weeks. And to be completely honest, since, since we talked last week, there just isn't a whole lot of uh, new information for us to discuss. No, no. I mean, we could just rehash a lot of the things, but I, I just don't think that anybody really wants to hear us do that anymore. No, no. I mean, I, I, you know, I think we were both hoping that, you know, by this time this week, we'd have a little more clarity. We're still not there. Maybe next week. I mean, I know that the, uh, at the very least, the Big Ten has to uh, send some uh, court documents to uh, Nebraska by Saturday. So I would think by next week, we're going to have uh, at least some sort of developments in this. There's going to be at least some new stuff to talk about, but uh, not a ton this week. We're all, we're kind of still in the same boat right now. Anything can happen any day. If we talked about it this morning, it could easily change by the afternoon. So uh, not a whole lot of sense in, you know, talking about, you know, what's going to happen and whatnot. Cause I, I just don't think we really know much more than we did. No, it really is perfect because I think on Monday I said, Dan, I think that we should record this on Wednesday morning just in case something late breaks. And, of course, literally nothing has even happened. So we probably could have just recorded this on Tuesday. But now I'm not going to lie. Now I feel like I just jinxed us. And within the next hour there will actually be news. But um, I, I do think that we should start with your start, – start today's podcast with your trip to Ohio Stadium on Saturday because I think it was – you know, it was a smart thing to do because – in any normal world, we would have all been at Ohio Stadium. 100,000 people would have been at Ohio Stadium and instead. I mean, how many people did you even see there? Not a lot. I mean, I saw a few groups of people, you know, stopping outside the North Rotunda uh, to take some photos. Uh, you know, you know, you could just see, you know, driving on campus. Uh, to, for those who didn't read the column, I decided Saturday around noon when the Ohio State's originally scheduled season opener against Bowling Green. It, I'll, be, I'll be honest, it's been kind of one of my pet peeves over the last month that like everyone was saying the season opener was supposed to be the Thursday Illinois game because that was literally on the schedule for six days. So in my mind, the season opener was supposed to be on Saturday against Bowling Green on the original schedule. And that, of course, did not happen. And, you know, I was just kind of sitting there Saturday morning and, and college game day is on. And I'm just like, this is weird. Like, I can't sit here and watch Desmond Howard and Lee Corso talk about, you know, Marshall playing Texas State or whoever whoever was playing on Saturday. Uh, it, it just felt weird, and I just thought about the fact that, you know, we were supposed to be at the shoe, and, you know, I was our weekend editor for the weekend, so I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a drive down to campus, and I'm just going to see, you know, if people are hanging around. Uh, there really weren't many people hanging around. I mean, I just driving into campus – it really just felt like, you know, any weekend in, you know, May or, or July or whatever, uh, just, you know, pretty quiet. You know, you could see people walking around, uh, running, I mean, enjoying a nice day. I mean, it was uh, high 70s and not a cloud in the sky. So it would have been absolutely perfect uh, weather for football. But, you know, I think that just kind of, it just kind of made it sad, like to think that like, you know, it would have been such a great day uh, to be in Ohio Stadium and, you know, you under normal circumstances, you would have had a, a full crowd in the shoe and everyone would have been so excited to to watch uh, a really talented Buckeyes team play for the first time this year. And instead, you know, 
there was just none of that uh, this weekend. And we don't know when we're going to get that again. I mean, I mean, in terms of a normal game day environment, we're not going to get that for another year. I mean, no matter what happens with this season, we're not, we're not getting a full crowd in the shoe again until at least next fall. That's, that's just a reality of a situation. So, you know, we're not, we're not going to get that this year, but it, it just, it, I think it really hits home. Like when other teams start playing games and, and then you think about like, okay, there should have been games today. And then you just go to campus and, uh, the team was actually practicing at that time. They were actually practicing at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, uh, private, not open to the public, of course. But, you know, they, they were actually practicing that day. But just to think about, like, what should have been happening at that time, I think it really makes it hit home that, you know, what we're missing right now with, with the Buckeyes not being able to play uh, this fall. Yeah, I wasn't there, obviously. But, like, I mean, I went to Ohio State. I I've been around that type of atmosphere outside the stadium for probably, I don't know, hundreds or over a thousand days just being living in Columbus right there um, for, for years. Um, so I can picture that. And it's just so weird because, you know, we, I think that we both look forward to sort of the spectacle of a game day weekend because it's fun. Like it really is. And I think that, you know, I always, I, I never felt like I was someone who, to take it for granted, but you do really, really, really miss it when it's gone for a full year, which we know it will be. Um, I mean, I think back to like, I had a sort of a routine of, you know, drive there, get to the stadium, maybe two and a half, two hours, 15 minutes before the game started, um, walk through hundreds, thousands of people, see all the scenes, you got the smells of game day, you see all the people lining up in front of, you know, St. John Arena for the band to come and then the team to come and skull session, all of that. And all that's an hour and a half before the game. Like you have a long time before the even game, the, even the game happens. And I think it's just, it's just so unfortunate where we are this year that, you know, you don't have any of that. And, and yes, like the game is a big deal. Obviously at this point, like you take Ohio State playing football in a safe manner over them not playing at all. But to have all of it, all all of it taken away at once is just, I think it's terrible. It, it, it's terrible to actually go through it finally. And I think that, you know, in a couple of weeks, I think that people will sort of get used to it to some degree, um, at least not having that spectacle. Obviously, the anger will still be there that Ohio State isn't on the field yet. And who knows when that'll be. It would be awesome to have answers by now. Um, but to not have that spectacle, I think it's just like it takes a week or two for it to set in. And, and you know, we're going to – I think you'll you'll get that feeling again this weekend when you see some of the bigger conferences start to play. Because it's one thing to see, you know, some of the group of five teams where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's great to see, you know, Navy take the field, but it's not exactly Ohio State. Um, but once, you know, once some of the big 12 teams take the field and then eventually SEC, ACC teams take the field – you know, it's going to, I, th- I think it'll, I think you'll get that feeling again. Yeah. I think when something like this happens, I mean, at least from my perspective, like you start to think more about, you know, some of the little things that you miss uh, from going to Ohio stadium. Cause, Cause I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, realistically, like from our perspective, like game days are fun, but they can also be stressful. Like they're a lot of work. Like we, we get there, like Colin said, you know, two and a half, three hours before the game. Uh, we're we're usually there until the press box closes, and then we usually still, after we get home, have more work to do. Uh, that's just the life of uh, a beat writer on a game day is is you pretty much work 
all day long. And, and if it's a later game, you're working well into the night. Uh, so, so it can be stressful. It's a lot of work, but I, I still hate that we're not there. I mean, it, 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 I, I hate that we're not going to be there on Saturdays and I, and I miss it because it is, it is fun. I mean, it is, it's such a, you know, you cover, an, you cover a football team. You want to go and cover actual games. Like that's the biggest part of the job is the actual games. And, you know, you do, I mean, you, you miss just watching those football games. And like I said, I mean, that's why I, I hope one way or another that we are watching football at some point this fall with Ohio State playing actual football games because it will certainly give us a lot more to write about. But, you know, I, I, I miss – seeing the band come in and play, you know, script Ohio. And that's not, and that's something I don't even always watch because a lot of times I'm, you know, coming up from the field and, you know, I, I, I'm maybe, you know, getting a few things ready to go just before the game starts and, you know, but I think the next time I'm in, I'm in the shoe and we, we first finally a normal game day again, you know, maybe I'm going to take a minute and stop and, and, and watch script Ohio. Maybe I'm going to take a minute and stop and, you know, watch the halftime show. You know, maybe I'm going to try to uh, appreciate some of these things that happen during the game a little bit more as they happen, because I think, I, I think there's, you know, there, there's there's so many different things that happen that are are part of what make that Ohio State football experience uh, special for so many people, and you you can start to get jaded to them when you know you're you're a, a beat writer and you're you're covering the team and it's your job, but. Uh, it is a pretty cool thing to get to experience. It's a pretty cool job to, you know, get to get to cover Ohio State football. And and I, I definitely miss, you know, getting to go to the shoe on Saturdays this fall. Yeah, as much as some people, you know, hate the offseason, you know, it is sort of a nice buildup. And you get that crescendo when week one starts and you really start getting into it. And to not have that, I think, is is the unfortunate part. I mean, I – you know me, Dan, I love being on the sideline as much as I can, especially before the game. Like I soak it all in and I, you know, I look, I, since I've been on the field now for what, I think it's been three, four years. I think it's been four years ever since, cause I did two years when I was a student at Ohio state and you sort of just get used to it. And, and yet at the same time, like there's a routine to it all, but it all feels so exciting every single time it happens. I mean, the first, I, I legitimately get, hyped up for the first game because you know it's been what you've been waiting to see for the last eight or nine months and you've been like how many times have we been talking about what this team will look like and our questions to get answered and you know this offseason we had a ton of questions I think that we wouldn't have really been able to answer in the preseason just because it would have been like we wouldn't have actually been able to see any football because they would have kept us all secluded and then that game that that first game would have hit and it would have been fascinating to see it all unfold and who knows, I guess maybe we'll get that feeling in November or January or something. Um, I assume that our football season will get played at some point, um, but it's not going to be right now. Um, so, you know, that's unfortunate. I feel, like it, I feel like it was worth talking about, though, because it was an unavoidable feeling, at least for me, and, and I know for you, too, since, since you actually went down to the shoe. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you just talk about the anticipation. Like, I just think – the, the anticipation for, you know, what that game would have been after everything that, you know, we, you know, we've dealt with the last six months just would have been unbelievable. I think the excitement, you know, even for a game against Bowling Green, which uh, would not have been in most likely a good game on the field, but I think the excitement for that game, if it could have happened, you know, would have been so high just because of 
everything we've gone through and you know like you said i mean you know we even us like we really haven't we really didn't get to see anything this off season so like i think we're all so curious to you know see what the team's going to look like whenever they get the chance to play uh you know i i think the unfortunate thing is you know just depending on what happens with all this like is that anticipation going to be the same i mean i think if you know i think we're going to be interested to see what happens no matter what but I think for the average fan, if we're talking about a November, a late November season where Ohio State doesn't have a chance to make the college ball playoff and they're playing in a dome stadium, uh, not in Columbus, and there's no fans there, I, I don't think the average fan is going to have that same kind of anticipation. And it's certainly not going to be the same. I mean, if, you know, that's, I mean, like I said, I mean, we definitely have to accept reality at this point that that true Ohio State game day feel, uh, watching the Buckeyes play in front of 100,000 people in the shoe. We're not getting that for another year. Let's really, really hope we're going to get that again in the fall of 2021. Uh, we're not getting that at any point this year. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we get something. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we're still at a point. I mean, I think we will get something, but, you know, obviously this big question right now is, you know, will it be, you know, October, November, or January? And, uh, you know, we're running out of time. We're running out of time for October. If, 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 if uh, we're still in the same boat next week as we are right now or we don't have answers, uh, I think it's going to be just about time to rule out the October possibility. So if that's going to happen, uh, it better happen by the time we uh, record our next episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. But uh, November, January? Uh, we'll see what happens. It's just hard to, it's hard to even like, you know, get excited or predict or anything until we have an idea of what's going to come next. Yeah. Which is why we and, you know, everybody else at Ohio state is sort of just in a holding pattern until, until some people figure that out. But I know we at 11 warriors are going to increase our, you know, we, we already have increased our coverage on, you know, Ohio high school recruiting since we're all going to games on Fridays. But I know we also, are going to talk a little bit more about, you know, what's happening in the NFL um, around Ohio teams with Ohio State, you know, players in, in the NFL since there are a ton of those. Um, so I think it's probably worth hitting on that today since the NFL season is starting this week. And, Dan, I'll be honest, like the lead-up for the NFL season for me has been – just almost non-existent like I know it hasn't for you because you're Dan Hope and all you do is NFL (laughs) but for me like my entire preparation for what's going to happen in this NFL season was a fantasy draft I did last night and other than that I feel like I'm just looking at the Ohio State guys I'm interested to see what they do but I feel extremely out of the loop with what's actually happening in in the NFL. No I mean I'm there with you because I I think I think it's been no to me it's been no preseason but it's it's weird because you're just used to like that usual buildup. Like not that the preseason is super exciting, but like, like at least for me, like being like a big, like football guy and someone who like enjoys watching the NFL a lot, like, especially like week one, week two of the preseason, I am usually watching a lot of games just cause I'm like, especially for like these rookies. Like I'm always like really excited to like, just see those guys play for the first time uh, an NFL uniform. And so I think that like builds a natural buildup to the season. And, you know, usually by, you know, the end of a preseason, it's like, okay, let's get to the regular season on board of this. But yeah, I think that like month of buildup with the preseason 
really kind of ramps up to that start of a year. Whereas I think now it's like, Oh, the NFL season starts tomorrow. Like I forgot about it, you know, because uh, there was no preseason, you know, there's been no big college football games yet. So it all just kind of feels like it's sneaking up on us. Um, but I am excited for, I am excited to, you know, you know, watch some games this weekend because you know, to me, this feels like the first like real football weekend. Like, you know, you, you mentioned yeah, it with before, that. You mentioned it before of like the games. Like I just could not get into it. Like I, I, I think I, I think I watched about two minutes of college football on Saturday. Cause like, I, I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't get into it. Like I, and then like Monday night, BYU Navy, like didn't watch it. I think the only time I watched it is because I heard Bill Belichick was on and I turned it on to hear his interview. And then I turned it back off because it was a terrible game. And like, I just couldn't get into it. So like, I, I'm honestly not even sure, like, on Saturday, like, with, like, even some bigger teams playing, I'm I'm still not even really sure, like, how much I'm going to get into it. Oh, West Virginia's playing, so well, watch watch your mouth, Dan. Yeah, for you, for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll watch some games, but, like, it definitely just doesn't quite feel the same right now for college. But I, I think the NFL, like, okay, it's like, okay, all the teams are playing, like, as of now, the NFL appears to be headed for a pretty normal season. There's not going to be fans in the stands in a lot of stadiums, but uh, they're headed toward a pretty normal season. So I think that makes it a little bit easier uh, to get excited about. And, you know, certainly for, you know, Ohio State fans, um, you know, obviously, you know, many Ohio State fans have their allegiances to, you know, their own certain teams. And, you know, I think, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you're probably really excited to watch Joe Burrow play uh, on Sunday and, you know, uh, Browns fans, you know, we'll, we'll see if they're excited in two weeks, but you know, they seem to have a pretty good team. Uh, but uh, it, if you're an Ohio state fan, there's a lot of former Buckeyes uh, to watch. There's 50 on NFL rosters right now, the second most in the league and uh, nine members of last year's Ohio state team making their debuts this weekend. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, JK Dobbins, Devon Hamilton, Jonah Jackson, Malik Harrison, Jordan Fuller and KJ Hill. Colin, which rookies are you most looking forward to seeing what they do in the NFL this season? I really am interested in quite a few, but I'll be honest, like I can go to my diamonds in the rough or I can just say Chase Young. Yeah. Because <laughs> like you watch Chase Young for three years at Ohio State and all you think is like, I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like this guy's incredible. Um Will he be the Chase Young that we've seen in Ohio State? And will that just naturally translate to the NFL? Like, is he going to be a guy who's going to get 12 sacks right off the bat? I'm certainly not going to rule that out. I mean, honestly, I sort of predict that to happen. And I, it's almost like, you know, he's someone who, like, I just have oversized expectations for. And I worry – he's one of those guys where I worry my expectations are too high for him. But based on what I've seen – I have no reason to, to to minimize those at all. I mean, I think he's going to walk in and, and be a you know be an all pro off the bat, and I understand that that's a little bit high of an expectation. But Chase Young, Chase Young, this dude's not normal, and I just want to see what it looks like once he actually gets to the NFL. Well, the reality is, like we saw Nick Bosa do it last year. We saw Nick Bosa go yeah. right into the NFL and, and and become an immediate star and you could argue Chase Young's even more talented than he is. So I would, I would argue that. Yeah. And, and so, I know we had this conversation probably like 10 months ago and I'm pretty sure both of us said we might take Chase Young over Nick Bosa. I said, Mike, cause I know I did say that. 
and I don't remember exactly what your take was. I think you're a little bit more hesitant than me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're looking at a reality where I think very soon we could have three of the best defensive ends of the NFL are all going to be former Buckeyes and the Bosa yep. brothers. I mean, I saw one prediction of, of all pros that I think it was Maurice Jones-Drew from NFL Network predicted that Nick and Joey Bosa were going to be the two all-pro defensive ends this year. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chase Young ends up being the best of them. And that's a lot to say because Joey Bosa just became the highest paid defensive end in the NFL. And Nick Bosa looks like he might be even better. So to predict yeah. that Chase Young could be even better than them, it's an impossible expectation to put the guy in. But that's what comes with being the number two overall pick. Uh, and that's what comes with being Chase Young, because Chase Young's not a normal number two overall pick, really. Like, Chase Young is the guy who, the moment you saw him for the first time with your two eyes, you're like, well, that guy's clearly going to be an awesome pro. Like, he's just different. He's always been different. He proved he was different this year when he set Ohio State's single-season sack record. And you know all the pass rushers that have come through. I mean, you just named two of them, and neither of them even held the – you know, held the record. It was Mike Brable, or was it Vernon Golson or Mike Brable? I think Vernon Golson. Vernon Golson. Vernon Golson held the single season. Mike Brable. Yep. Still held the career yeah, record. The career record. But you know, for Chase to do that in one season with you know even being suspended for two games where you know those teams were terrible opponents, he clearly would have had sacks against them. And then you know, not not exactly ending the season with five sack games. I think I'm. You know, he's someone who I have the highest expectations for. Um, and, you know, I think my expectations for him are as high or, or probably higher than anybody else that I've seen come out of Ohio State since I've been covering the team. Yeah, I mean, I remember people just oohing and on about Chase Young at Friday Night Lights when he was like a true <laughs> freshman on campus. People were just yeah. looking at how, like, he already looked like an NFL player. And uh, certainly uh, he did nothing but live up to the hype. Yeah, I, I mean, there are quite a few others on that on that list of rookies. I mean, the guy who, the guy who I look at, and I'm like, I'm just, I would be shocked if he's not a really good NFL player. J.K. Dobbins, and I know J.K. fell a lot further in the draft than I really thought he should, um, because I'm not someone who was really in love with his sophomore season. I thought he could have, you know, he could have played better that year, and you know, you heard him talk about how. You know, he wants to prove that that was that you know that's behind him, and he's a much better player than that. He wants to prove he's the best running back in college football. And listen, you hear that talk sometimes from players who don't really go out and back it up. J.K. backed it up in a way that you know he put himself up there with like he, it's not like he people were viewing him as as good as Ezekiel Elliott, but his production was better than anybody who's ever come through Ohio State. I mean, he set Ohio State single season rushing record last year. Um, I think that he can come into Baltimore. And, like, I, I know he's probably not going to be the, the sole starter right off the bat, but I think he's going to be an impact player as a rookie. And, you know, running back is not a position that it takes a long time to transition, you know, to the le next level at. You already saw him. What did he do his freshman year at Ohio State? He, he, he came in and he took over right away. His first game. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that you can expect him to go for 184 yards in game one again in, for, for Baltimore, but I do expect that he's going to have a really solid career in the NFL and, you know, I think we might look back and think, how did he slip so far? That would be a very Browns thing to happen, though, if J.K. Oh. Dobbins ran for 180 yards on Sunday. Stop it. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, conflicted people uh, in Ohio watching J.K. Dobbins on Sunday. But I'm right there with you. I mean, I think he's 
Uh, I think he's going to do great in Baltimore. I think, uh, you know, Mark Ingram certainly still there as well. So, yeah. you know, he'll, he won't be a starter right away in Baltimore, but I think he's going to get a healthy share of carries. And uh, I think he's going to be impressive. Uh, you know, another guy that I'm, I'm excited to watch. And, it is Damon Arnett. How did you know what I was going to say? Because <laughs> I saw you smiling. And you I know, know the Damon yeah. Arnett smile. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I love watching Damon Arnett fly. Uh, I mean, he's on the literal perfect team for him, uh, the Las yes, Vegas Raiders. Uh, and, you know, I think from probably the most of a perfect thing to encapsulate Damon Arnett is, you know, there was a report a couple weeks ago from Ian Rappaport that uh, Damon Arnett uh, has a thumb injury. And everyone's like, well, that's fine, because we saw what he did last year. Uh, with a broken wrist and a, a cast on his wrist all year, and he had the best season of his Ohio State career. So I have little doubt that even if he's got a bad thumb, he, he's going to be out there playing. He's going to be out there competing. And, you know, that's just the guy I'm looking forward to watch. Because, I mean, to be honest, like, uh, you know, go before last season at Ohio State, I don't think a lot of people really had high expectations for him as an NFL player. But now I really do, like, just like hearing the reports from camp, uh, from the Raiders like it seems like he he did fantastic in camp and you know that, that guy's a competitor and you know I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, NFL like the mic'd up segments that they'll do uh, hopefully he is on those a lot because that man uh, can talk some trash there's no doubt about it yeah no the Raiders released a video what two or three weeks ago of him uh, in training camp mic'd up and it was one of the most entertaining videos I've seen of 2020. I mean, Damon Arnett is going to stay being Damon Arnett no matter if he's a freshman in college or if he's a millionaire first round NFL draft pick. And that's, that's why, you know, I love to, I love to cover him. And that's why I'm going to love to see him in the NFL because I mean, what a year ago, we probably would have projected him as a mid round pick. And now he's legitimately, I, I thought his, I thought his season was as good or better than Jeff Okuda's this past year. Um, obviously, to me, it made sense why he got picked you know, behind Jeff Okuda. But there's no one with more personality than Dave Arnett. And that's why, that's why I, have zero, I have a ton of interest in seeing him in the NFL, and I have zero doubt that he is going to be himself in the NFL. And, and that's where it becomes super fun. I feel like if Colin ever watches a Jaguars game this season, he's going to be the most interested person in the country watching Devon Hamilton. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to be tuning in to, to Jaguars games and Lions games from Jonah Jackson. Because those two are my guys. I mean, they've been my guys. They've been the under-the-radar guys. So it's like Devon Hamilton totally overshadowed by Chase Young on the defensive line. Jonah Jackson overshadowed by Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, all those guys. Um, and listen, it makes sense why they were overshadowed. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be really good NFL players. And yeah, you're right. I am, I am excited to see what they do because nobody's talking about them in Columbus. Let's be honest. That there's just not any conversation about either of them, but I think that they can be really solid in the NFL. Yeah. It, it, I'm just really fascinated to see how all these guys do because have at no preseason. I mean, you have, yeah, I mean, yeah, Chase, you know, Chase Young, Okuda, Arnett, uh, Jonah Jackson, uh, I believe at least those four are all projected to be starters uh, right away. So you know, you, you're, you're walking right into starting an NFL game uh, without any preseason games. Uh, those are tough shoes. And, I mean, I imagine you're going to see some growing pains for all those guys. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how they do. And, I mean, that certainly applies to Joe Burrow as well, who, you know, certainly mm -hmm. uh, finished his career at LSU, but he's still a former Buckeye. And, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be really interested to see how he does. I'm sure 
there's going to be all kinds of hot takes as soon as he throws his interception. I'm sure, you know, Skip Bayless will be ready to say they made the wrong pick. And I'm sure there'll be all kinds of, all kinds of hot takes out there about. So uh, wait, wait, you're, you're projecting that he throws an interception this season? <laughs> yes. Get that on the record. Yes, I am predicting that he will throw an interception this season. Well, I mean, me personally, I think Joe Burrow is a weird comparison, but I'm excited for him in the NFL in a similar way of why I'm excited for Damon Arnett because Joe Burrow was never supposed to be the star. I mean, at Ohio State, I always viewed him as having less pro potential than, than Dwayne Haskins. You know, he was little, a little bit that in-between um, of, of Tate Martell and Dwayne Haskins where I think Tate was probably a better athlete, a better runner, and Dwayne was a better thrower, and Joe's in between them. And do we really think that Joe's going to be the best of the three if he – is neither the best runner or the best passer of the three. And clearly that was unfair to him. I mean, all credit to him for making that fifth-year jump. And, and I think, you know, he's someone who, like Damon, I always love to see talk because he's always entertaining. And I, I, always, I think Joe Burrow is a really smart guy who is willing to put himself out there and is willing to say things that maybe a lot of people aren't willing to say, and he doesn't care what people think. Um, so I am fascinated to see – if he can, can if it, it's hard to do that if you're not really good in the NFL, if I'm being honest, like it's hard to be that outspoken. So if he is really good in the NFL um, and for the Bengals sake, I hope he is because they certainly deserve some uh, success here. Um, then, you know, he'll be, he'll be someone to, to pay attention to every day of the week because you never know what Joe's going to say. I'm, I'm really sad for Sunday that David Werfheim is no longer working for 11 Warriors because uh, he's a big Ohio State and Cincinnati Bengals fan. And uh, whenever things go wrong, uh, he tends to be very negative. So I'm, I'm disappointed we are not going to get his hot Bengals takes on, on Sunday. Yeah, he's our former intern and contributor who's, who's no longer at 11 Warriors. But let me tell you, that man went from hating Joe Burrow and saying it's terrible that the Bengals are going to take him to saying the Bengals absolutely have to take him within probably three weeks, maybe even less than that. And he is the world's biggest Skyline Chili fan. Yeah, shout out, David. He needs it. You talk about Joe Burrow, you talk about Damon Arnett. I, I guess that kind of segues into this. Who, who's the Ohio State player, if they don't get to play this fall, who's the guy who could have been that Joe Burrow, who could have been that Damon Arnett, who could have been that Terry McLaurin, who's not going to get the chance to make that jump if the Buckeyes don't play this fall? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously impossible to know because, like, how do you really project a jump that the, the 1% have? But there are a couple candidates. Um, and I think that there are some interesting ones on Ohio State's roster. Um, I mean, Baron Browning's the obvious one because I have no idea where Baron Browning would go if he, say, never played another snap at Ohio State. I think I'd probably project, to, you know, project him to, you know, want to – play at least an eight-game season, no matter if it's in you know, November or January, because the stock right now, it feels like it's a mid-round pick. Um, but he's the kind of guy who is so physically gifted. Um, I know people sort of view him as a, as a middle linebacker, inside linebacker. I'm not really sure that that's his position at the next level. Um, I really do think if you put him on the outside, you give him pass rushing opportunities, that's where he's going to thrive. Um, so he's someone who I look at as – you know, he would have had a perfect opportunity to make that jump this year. And also, I would throw Tommy Togiai right in with him because Tommy Togiai is someone who rotated 
You know, he was a backup as a freshman. He rotated at 250 snaps this past year as a sophomore. Junior year, this is supposed to be the jump that he makes. And, you know, Devon Hamilton's gone. Robert Landers is gone. It's the Tommy Togiai show at Nose Tackle with Antoine Jackson sort of as, as his backup. Um, so the fact that those two don't have, you know, the typical fall season that we would normally expect, I think, you know, those are two guys who I think could have had big jumps in their, in, in their draft stock that, you know, are, they're not going to, they're not going to get unless, you know, the season lines up perfectly and they're able to, you know, play a six, eight, 10 game schedule, whatever it looks like and, and show out. I think the guy that I think about, and, and it's maybe just more of a perception thing than it is a reality thing, because I think he's already really good and he's probably already more highly regarded by NFL scouts than the, the average fan thinks. But I think of a guy like, like Pete Werner has been a guy that, you know, I, well, I just welcome to the corner, Dan. Well, I've, I've been on, I've been a Pete Warner fan for years. Know, I've, I've been defending Pete Warner back when everybody thought he was trash. But yes, you, you uh, did. But I, I say that in that I, I think you know Pete Warner is one of those guys that you know he, he he's gotten the criticism. You know he's had the people who you know much like Damon Arnett, much like Terry McLaurin. He, he he's had the the people who are saying you know why does this guy even play? This guy is never going to play in the NFL. But, but he's going to play in the NFL, and I. And I think, I mean, you had mentioned it a few months ago, but you thought like a big year for Pete Warner. He, he might even be a late first round pick. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, he might have that kind of year. And I mean, I, and I still think he, I still think he needs that one more year to, to get himself to that level. I think he really needs that like really big year if he's going to get himself to that level. I think right now he's more in that middle round level. But that that's one of those guys that I thought like, you know, this is a guy whose profile could just really blow up this season and, and, and you know and he's one of those guys to me that I I think he's going to have a very tough decision if you know this season is played in November or later because I think he is a guy that he could legitimately go to the NFL now and he's, he's going to get drafted he's been a two-year starter I think there's enough tape out there but I think NFL teams would feel comfortable drafting him in the middle rounds but he definitely still has room to improve. And so I, I think he's one of those guys who would really have a tough choice in, in terms of how he's going to play this. You know, if, if you have a later season in that, you know, you know, cause it's really, it becomes, if we talk about a November, January season, this is all hypothetical, you know, it really becomes three options for those guys. You know, one is you just opt out, you know, that's what Sean Wade's going to do. That's most likely what Justin Fields is going to do. You know, if you're Chris Olave, Wyatt Davis, guys like that, you can certainly consider that. And I think even some other guys are going to consider it just because they're just ready to go to they're ready to go to the NFL and they don't want to get hurt leading up to the draft. You know, there's also the option of you just you play that season and you still go to the draft, even if they don't move it back. You know, you might not get to participate in a combine. You know, you might be risking injury leading up to the draft, but you know, you could still do that or you could say, well, I got an extra year of eligibility. I'm going to play this spring and I'm going to return. I'm going to play next fall and I'll just wait to go to the NFL for another year. I think that's going to be a tough decision for a lot of guys. And like a guy like Pete is a guy that I really do look at is like, he's got a tough choice because uh, I think, I think he, you know, is absolutely a guy who can be selected in the 2021 NFL draft if, uh, that happens, but I, I also don't think it's a no-brainer that he's a guy that should opt out, uh, even if the season's played in the winter. Yeah, I think Pete, Pete and Barron are both interesting to me because I think they're two guys who let's play this hypothetical game where 
you know, what happens if they, if they decide that they just want to sit out um, and, you know, then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll decide that they're not going to play anymore for Ohio State. Like, what would happen to them? I legitimately think, based on what they've done, they're two guys who could rise without playing. Because the way that I see it is, you know, Baron Browning is the guy that NFL teams fall in love with. Baron Browning's the athletic six foot three, two hundred and forty pound linebacker who can play different positions. He can rush the passer. He's a versatile guy and he's physical. And you know, he no one's gonna question whether he has the body to play in the NFL because he does. He has the body, he has the athleticism to, to play at that level. Um, I think he's someone who could rise without even playing any games because teams just say, like, we want that guy. And if you're not going to get him like in the first or second round, if you want to take him like early third round, that's a risk that, that that's a good bet. Um, I, I would see an NFL team making. And the same thing goes in my mind for Pete Warner, because yeah, he's, he's not, you know, he doesn't have the, the physical gifts maybe that, that Warner did or that, uh, that Browning uh, had that made him a, you know, a five-star prospect. And I believe the number one linebacker recruit in, his, in, in the country, but you know, what he does have, I think, is he has a really versatile skill set that allows him to cover. You know, you've seen him play all different uh, areas on the field. I think he's really improved against a run. He's bigger. He's more physical than he was, especially in 2018. I think you just have to sort of throw that tape out and see that this is a new Pete Warner. This is a different Pete Warner. He's a versatile guy who, you know, when he gets to the next level, I think that that's the type of, that's the type of linebacker that in this modern NFL is going to succeed. And he's a guy – I mean, this is why I go back to, I think I had, I think my prediction a few months ago was that he'd be a top 45 draft pick. And that's why I think that, you know, he makes that leap is because this is the kind of guy that will succeed in the NFL these days. And and those two guys are both interesting to me because, you know, Browning is the guy that Ohio State fans for years have been like, we need to get him on the field. Pete Warner is there right now. Like, I think Pete Warner is awesome. And I wish more Ohio State fans would you know, sort of be there on, on that corner with, you know, me and you. Um, but I guess if, if he rises in the draft and, and goes as high as I think that he might go, maybe 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 everybody will eventually get there. Yeah, I think those are two guys, like you talk about rising without playing, like Baron Browning's a guy, like he goes to the combine, he's going to kill it at the combine. And you're going to have NFL coaches out there who say, we just didn't get to see what this guy could do at Ohio State, and I'm going to make him into the football player. Uh, that, that he's capable of being. And, you know, Pete's a guy – I mean, Pete's a guy that he's going to go to the combine and then maybe people will finally realize that, yeah, this guy actually is fast because it always drives me insane when people lump him and Tough Portland together yeah. as athletes, and I, I think I know why, but it always drives me nuts because uh, Pete, Pete's fast. I mean, Pete's a guy who was – you know, he was running the 100-meter and he was playing safety in high school. I mean, Pete, Pete – Pete's Pete's a great athlete. I mean, Pete's absolutely an NFL athlete. You know, Tough Borland. I, I, I think Tough Borland is going to be a limited player in the NFL. But uh, Pete Werner, I mean, I think he's a guy who a- absolutely has the physical skill set that NFL teams are looking for in an outside linebacker these days. Yeah, I would say there's one other guy. I mean, there's there's honestly, you know, you know this roster. Like, there's a lot of guys too who are you know this decision will be interesting for. But Thayer Munford's a guy who. I look at and I just see, like, when Thayer Munford is on, I think he's a really, really good offensive tackle. And this will be his third year as a starter, provided he plays again at, at Ohio State this upcoming season. Um, I, I don't know where he would get drafted right now if he were to, say, not play again at Ohio State. I think that whatever 
this upcoming season is, whenever it is, I think it's going to be really important because he has to prove that, one, he can get through it healthy, and, two, that he won't have any significant bumps in the road along the way because he's someone who's missed games each of the past two years, and when he's played sometimes, it has felt like he's playing through injuries, and when he's doing that, his play has slipped. And I think that that those are legitimate questions NFL teams are going to have for him um, going forward. And I, I really do think that he needs this um, next season as much as really anybody else um, who's, who's, who we look at as a 2021 NFL draft prospect. Yeah, I agree with you there. I guess the counterpoint would be, you know, let's say you're playing a season that goes into March. Is he a guy that can really risk, you know, yep. getting injured in that lead up to the draft if he's planning to enter mm-hmm. the draft? That's you fair. know, that's, that's, the, that's the counterpoint. Yeah, no, that, that, that is fair. And, and honestly, there are a ton of people who have to weigh that. Like, what about Trey Sermon? Like, I have no idea where Trey Sermon would get picked. I really don't. It would probably be a late-round pick at this point um, based on the fact that you know, he had, what, 385 yards in 2019 at an injury and then hypothetically wouldn't play in 2020. I'm not really sure that guy is going to get picked high in the draft. But, like, if you're going to play into February or March – would you want to do that as a running back who's going to get beat up, who's just had an injury? Like, I don't really know what his decision would be. I think there are a lot of tough things for people like that, you know, to weigh, except for the other aspect of that decision for Trey Sermon is Trey Sermon knows that he has to have another year of production. Otherwise he would have just gone to the NFL instead of grad transferring. He could have, but he decided that, you know, he wanted to go and show out at Ohio state for one season. And to have this happen is so unfortunate for him. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, what his decision would be. There's just a lot to weigh there for him. Yeah. And having that extra year of eligibility, it adds another wrinkle to that decision. And, you know, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for a guy like him to have that in his back pocket where he can say, you know, you know, I, I need that extra year. Um, You know, you know, he can, he can decide if he wants to come back and play another year you know, he'll have that opportunity no matter what happens this year. So, you know, he's a guy that I think, you know, you got to look at and he's got to consider it, but you know, I think it's going to be tough. You know, I think, you know, a lot of those guys, like, you know, you, you have a certain plan for your life and you don't necessarily just want to like put that plan on hold for another year just because you can. So, you know, I think a lot of these guys, like if they've been planning to go to the NFL this year, I think a lot of them are still going to go. Uh, but but it's going to be interesting, and, and, and like we still like, there's still so many unknowns. I mean, not only in regards to the Big Ten season, but we don't know is the NFL going to push the draft back? Will the NFL push the combine back? Will the NFL push the draft declaration date back? Because typically you have to decide by January, and you know these guys could be playing in January. So uh, yeah, I think the NFL is probably waiting to make those decisions until the Big Ten finally makes its decision. So again. Big Ten could hurry up here. That would be good for everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think you know, there's just going to be a lot of different variables. And, you know, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this again uh, fairly soon whenever the Big Ten finally does make a decision and we see whatever the aftermath of all that is. Yeah, if we're going to talk about guys who I think don't really need to play, like a guy who, you know, when I did, I guess I wasn't really thinking about this until I wrote about it today on Wednesday. Chris Olave, what does Chris Olave get by coming back and playing again at Ohio State? And that's not to say they should or shouldn't. Uh, that's for his. That's for you know, he can make that decision by himself. But if we're just thinking about his draft stock, I think that you know people right now are projecting him right around the first, second round bubble 
you know, anywhere from like 25 to 40, somewhere around there. Seems reasonable. If Chris Olave were to come back and play at Ohio State, like, do you see him being the kind of guy who can rise and be a top 15 pick? Because I'll be honest, like, I think Chris Olave is great. I don't really know that I see him doing that, especially if we're going to play the what-if game. In this scenario, if he's going to play, unless they're starting in October, I don't know that he's going to get Justin Fields. And in that case, I'm just not sure why Chris Olave would play again at Ohio State, provided, you know, he's planning to go to the NFL and play in, you know, whichever team in, in 2021. Yeah, I think my counterpoint to your first point would be that, you know, like if you're Justin Fields, you know you're going to be a top pick, no matter what happens. You know, like a Sean Wade, I, I think he's pretty solid. Like I, I think he's going to be a first-round pick regardless of what happens. I think if you're a Chris Olave, I think if you don't play this year, I think you're at more risk of being jumped by the guys who are playing. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he could be in that late, you know, because, again, like we, we can't put too much stock into mock drafts right now. And I think if you're a guy that's in that, you know, late first, early second bubble, you know, you get jumped by three or four guys, you know, now you could easily become, that could easily become late second. So like, I, I think, I don't think it's a cut and dry decision. Here. I don't disagree with what you're saying. Cause I, I don't think his ceiling as a draft prospect is much higher than that late first, early second range. But whether he's solidly actually going to be picked in that range if he doesn't play another snap of football, a college football, I don't know about that. Uh, with that being said, this would be my perspective if I was Chris Olave, is I'm doing whatever Justin Fields does. If Justin Fields goes pro, I'm going pro too. Because I don't think, it, I don't think it, it's going to benefit him as an NFL prospect to come back and play in a shortened season with a freshman quarterback. Uh, I think if you can play another season with Justin Fields, you should. But uh, that that would be my that would be my thinking. Uh, even though they're in different positions, uh, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's very possible Justin Fields never plays another snap for Ohio State, and Chris Olave still plays another year. But if I was Chris Olave, if Justin Fields went pro, that would probably push me out the door too. Yeah. And I'm just sort of working under the assumption that unless they play in October, Justin Fields is probably gone. And Hey, maybe that's unfair. I mean, maybe Justin Fields really does want this last season for, for Ohio State. I know he's still in Columbus, but I'm, you know, I, I, and all honesty, like I get it. Maybe Chris Olave could get jumped by a few guys. If Chris Olave is dropping like the third round, then something happened where Chris Olave got hurt because Chris Olave I feel like Chris Olave is who Chris Olave is, and we know who he is. He's a really good downfield threat. He's fast. He can jump. You know, he's a hard worker. He's a good route runner. He's sort of everything you'd want in a wide receiver. I'm not sure that that guy is going to get jumped and, and, you know, fall all the way to the third round or something. I, I do think that would be a little bit crazy, and that's why I think that, you know, he's in a pretty steady position. But like you said, listen, if they're going to play a Big Ten only season, if they're going to play against some – trash Big Ten teams and trash Big Ten secondaries and you have Justin Fields and like that's not a lot of downside there like if if Justin Fields is going to come back I do think it would make sense to play because how how would you possibly look bad in that scenario like I'll be honest that that is a winnable scenario in all respects for for Chris Olave if that were if that were to actually happen yeah the hard thing about all this is there's just there's no precedent for it and like I I I do think I mean you know I saw a I saw a, a quote from 
you know, Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM yesterday. And, and naturally this led to, you know, people saying that Ohio state should use this quote in a lawsuit, which I think is kind of a stretch, but uh, he, he did, he did say he was quoted. He was saying that, you know, he, he would favor prospects who played this season over those who don't, you know, basically saying that, you know, if two guys were close on the board and, and it was a guy who had played this year versus didn't, he, he would lean toward the guy who played this year because, you know, they'd have a stronger uh, evaluation of him. And I don't know how widespread that thinking will be throughout the league, but I, I, I do, I do think that, you know, because one thing I know about the NFL is sometimes they tend to get risk averse when it comes to drafting guys. And, and sometimes they make too much out of things that they shouldn't. And, and so I do think that, you know, if, if you have, you know, guys in six conferences who are playing this fall and then you have a bunch of guys who didn't play at all. I, I do think if you're not that real top prospect, I, I do think those guys are going to be hurt by that. I, yeah, I, I actually disagree. I think that I'm not – I think, you know, I don't really know that Chris Olave or someone like that is going to slip. I think there are certain players like a, like a Thayer Munford, like we talked about. If Thayer Munford doesn't play, it's going to hurt Thayer Munford. Um, you know, there, there are players like a Trey Sermon. If Trey Sermon doesn't play, it's probably going to hurt Trey Sermon. But if you have someone who's already produced at a really high level in college and you feel like you know who he, who he is – um, I think I really do think that that's not going to hurt some of them. Now I'll say this: some positions are different than others. Like I do think that it would hurt, you know, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers to not play more so than it would hurt Chris Olave because I do think experience really matters on the offensive line. And both of those two guys are first-year starters. And yes, they were both really good last year. People think Wyatt Davis is the best offensive guard in America, and I think that that's totally reasonable. But to not play for a season, I think, as an offensive lineman, hurts you in a way that maybe it doesn't, um, or at least in a bigger way than it does for someone like Chris Olave at wide receiver. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not even saying that I think it should, like, play into their thinking. I, I just know that the NFL draft is weird sometimes. I, I, I just know that, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you know, teams can, you know, perceive as red flags that maybe shouldn't be. And, you know, I – I, I just think, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if, if guys don't play, it's just going to put that much more into that whole pre-draft workout process, which can be uh, weird in itself. Um, and, you know, and I think guys who don't play are really going to have to, they're going to really have to be sharp in those workouts because I think teams are going to look at it and say, we haven't seen this guy play football for a year. We, we want to make sure he's in shape. We want to make sure uh, that he continued to work on his craft. Um, but, but I, you know, I think it's, again, I mean, I think there's no blanket answer to this. There's no, uh, everybody should play or everybody should sit out. I mean, saying either of those things is is not smart because it's just going to be different for certain, certain people. I mean, I think every, everyone is going to have to make their own individual decisions. There's no, you know, blanket right or wrong answer on any of this. And, you know, it's unfortunate the fact that some of these guys could even be in this situation that, you know, you have other guys that have the opportunity to play this fall and they don't, and that they're going to be forced to make these tough decisions. It's unfortunate that it's come to that, but uh, it's just, it's just going to be really fascinating to see how it all plays out. If if that's what happens. Yeah. I think one of the more interesting things too, will be like, is there a, 
is it even possible for there to be like a Malik Hooker type guy who wasn't really a starter, wasn't really a contributor last year, who in a shortened season at a different time plays so well that he decides to go to the NFL for one season as a starter? Like when I say that, I'm thinking like a seven banks, Cam Brown, Josh Proctor, Tyreek Smith, someone like that, um, who could actually, who could actually do that. I don't really know where I am on that. Like, I guess it's possible. And I guess here's where we just sit again and say, like, it would be nice to know what the Big Ten is actually going to do to actually try and at least project what it would look like in our heads. Um, but I don't really even know if that kind of rise is possible. Um, and I guess it is sort of dependent on the schedule, though. Well, yeah, and I think the other difficult thing is, like, okay, like, let's say you have a season that ends in March. It starts in November, January, ends in March. While all these other guys have been playing, like, for those guys to get on teams' radars, like teams are teams are gonna have their boards at that point. Teams are gonna have already watched full seasons of guys who played in the fall. So, you know, I think there, I think if you're already like an established prospect and you decide to play in the, the spring, and you're a guy that teams are already thinking about, then they're gonna be watching you. And but like. I think for those kind of guys, I think those juniors, I, I, I think if you don't play until November or January, I, I think it's going to be really hard for, for those guys to, to really be able to shoot up boards and, and go this year. I mean, I, I, you know, again, everyone has to make their own decisions. There could be guys there for whatever reason, like feel like they just need to go to the NFL right now. But like, to me, those guys, I think unless I think if you're not playing until the winter and you're playing a shortened season, the smartest move for all those guys is just going to be to come back for another year because I, I just think it's going to be really difficult. Um, to, I think it'd be really difficult to really make that kind of jump this year in a shortened uh, later season, you know, for all those guys you just mentioned. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess, but, you know, the one flip side is I, I don't, I don't really think this is a net positive, but I think if there's the one like silver lining of it potentially is like, if you're playing later than everybody else, like you could, you could have that chance to make that late impression that somebody else isn't like, if you, if you're playing really well in March at the end of your season and other guys haven't been playing for months, you could get that chance to make that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, hosting a guy for an official visit, uh, the weekend before his commitment, like you have that chance to make that last impression that another guy might not make. So I think if you like finish the season really strong, like, and then you're going into a draft that's a month or two away, uh, I do think there could be some of that, you know, for a guy to make that uh, late last impression. But I still worry that it might be too late because of how far teams might be into their pre-draft process at that point. We call this Cardale Jones. <laughs> if Cardale Jones had actually decided, imagine that there's a Cardale Jones scenario, but it happens in like March. <laughs> uh, what a world we live in, Dan. But I guess let, before we move on to our you know, three things, I, I will also mention Jonathan Cooper because I think his case is fascinating. Where you know he 100% assumed that he'd be in the NFL this fall, obviously because of injuries last fall that didn't happen. So he comes back, expects that this is going to be the year he shows out not happening um he's obviously gonna have to play regardless of when the season happens because I mean he's as as great of a leader as he is as much as people talk about him as you know a revered guy within the program as they should 
he's he's maxed out at two and a half sacks. He's not a guy who has you know really shown it on the field yet that he deserves to honestly even really be picked by an NFL team. So I'm sort of just waiting, waiting. You know, he's someone who I've thought about as a potential breakout player if Ohio State were to actually play this fall. Um, but he's someone who really needs that. He needs one more season to cement himself as an NFL prospect in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Jonathan Cooper and Justin Hilliard as two guys that are really, really been put into a tough spot by all this because these are guys, you know, they've had injuries. They, you know, Cooper's now a fifth-year guy. Hilliard's now a sixth-year guy. And these are guys who thought they would already be in the NFL by now. And, and now you you really need this one last season. You need a big year to really legitimize yourself as an NFL prospect. And you don't know if you're going to get it. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I – I, I agree, like, like, Jonathan Cooper needs another season. But, like, do I see him coming back for, like, a sixth year next year, for next year of eligibility? I don't know what I do. I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it has to be, like, a, a November, January start season. Like, I really do think he has to play in that, or else I don't think he's going to get drafted. And yet, like, like you said, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to come back for a sixth season. I just think he has to play in whatever season they get um, in order to make sure that he gets picked, unless he feels comfortable – you know, going in and potentially being undrafted. Yeah, it's just a, it's an unfortunate spot for these guys. It really, it really is. It, you know, it, it really is. You know, we, you know, you talk so much about like the Justin Fields and, uh, you know, I mean, it's I mean, this sucks. Like, if Justin Fields doesn't get a chance to compete for an NFL championship, doesn't get a chance to compete for Heisman, it sucks. But Justin Fields is still going to be making a ton of money come April. I mean, that's the the silver lining in all this for a Justin Fields is. He's still going to be a top pick. He's still going to be playing in the NFL next year. Everything's going to be okay for Justin Fields. For some of these guys, you know, this whole situation has the potential to, to really make or break whether they get to play NFL football. And, and I really feel for those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible for them. But, Dan, I think that, you know, we've been doing this three things that we that we thank thing for what now? A couple of months. Um, yeah. I've got three, but do you want do you want to give us a start on three things that are the first thing that you've been thinking about for the last week or so? Sure. Uh, number one, I think I feel bad for the Ohio State basketball team who was supposed to play in the Bahamas this year and now might end up playing in South Dakota instead because there was a report on Tuesday by CBS Sports' uh, Matt Norlander who said that, uh, no surprise, but the battle for Atlantis is most likely not going to be played in the Bahamas in November, which I'm sure Colin's disappointed about because I'm sure Colin was hoping he'd get to, you know, go spend a few days in the Bahamas. But uh, unfortunately, uh, in a time of pandemic, that was never likely to happen. But what really struck me was the part of a report that said the, the new favorite destination is the Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is Colin – you know, pointed out to me yesterday, it does look like a pretty cool arena, but man, if you were thinking you're going to get a vacation to the Bahamas and instead going to South Dakota, my apologies to Colin's dad, who I understand is a yes. South Dakota native. I'm sorry. It is nothing personal against South Dakota, but you Colin, you know me, I'm a warm weather guy, like man, late November, like I'd love the opportunity to go to the Bahamas for a few days, going to South Dakota in late November. And that'd be a huge letdown. Yeah, I don't really know if I'm legally uh, allowed to, you know, talk about South Dakota in the way that you do, considering my dad grew up there. Well, I um, figured I'd take that one. <laughs> but listen, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Lie? 
yeah, it's you're a college student. You think about, you know, you do the you do one of these preseason tournaments. The competition's great. Okay, yeah, that's fun. Dude, you get to go to the Bahamas. Like, that sounds pretty cool. And I guess they can make it up because if I remember off the top of my head, they're two years away from playing in Maui. And so I guess if you got that on the horizon, and I think that they're going to play in a Florida tournament next year, I guess you can look forward to those. But let's Going for the Bahamas, South Dakota, it's a little, that's just a little bit different. Just what you think of when you hear Atlantis, you think of South Dakota. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that, you know, it's unfortunate for the basketball team that I think our last couple things, the three things we think are, you know, you talking about them going to South Dakota and me talking about how they're going to get totally overshadowed by the football team. So it's <laughs> been a tough little stretch for the basketball team. But, hey, I'm, they'll, they'll, they'll make it through. They'll make it through. Um, I guess my first thing I think um, is I have no idea how in the world Penn State is supposed to catch up to Ohio State if they keep on recruiting the way they're recruiting. Um, they just missed out on I believe I believe how you pronounce the name is Nolan Rucci. Would that sound correct, Dan? Yes. So without him, you know, he is the number one prospect in the state of Pennsylvania. Penn State does not have a top 10 Pennsylvanian committed to them. Their top-ranked Pennsylvania is ranked 11th in the state. He's ranked 315th in the country, and he's ranked 4th in Penn State's class, which is ranked 8th in the Big Ten. So, Dan, how in the world is Penn State supposed to catch up to Ohio State when the thing that, you know, the reason why people were really sort of looking at James Franklin as the kind of guy who might be able to give Ohio State a challenge, and he really did for a few years there, um, is because he was recruiting at a really high level, bringing in some top-end talent, getting five stars each year. Right now, their class has one 200, top 250 player in the country, just one, an offensive tackle from Maryland, which congratulations, it's great to get the number 46 overall recruit in the country. You have 13 commitments right now. You whiffed on the top guys in your state. Derek Davis, um, who Ohio State's involved with, he's sort of the last guy um, – who's a top-end guy from, from their state that they need to land. But even if they get him, that's not really going to salvage what they've done in this 2021 class. So, Dan, I must ask, like, is Penn State, do we expect them to drop in a few years? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're Penn State, you have to be getting the top guys in Pennsylvania. You know, and you certainly can't be losing, you know, two of the top three players in your state to Ohio State, while Ohio State is also – getting all the top talent in the state of Ohio. Uh, that's not a good combination if you're trying to catch Ohio State. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, that's concerning, you know, as our, as our friend Ari Wasserman says, stars matter. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, Penn State, yeah, Penn State's definitely got to, you know, fix that problem. They've got to start getting some more top-tier guys because, you know, I mean, I mean, we've talked about it before. Like, I, I, I think right now I just think Ohio State is in a class of its own in the Big Ten, I think. From a recruiting standpoint, just nobody's coming close to keeping up with them. And I think Penn State, to me, has been the team that's been closest. But if you don't, if you don't really start adding some elite prospects to those classes soon, uh, that gap's going to get wider and wider. And I don't know how you're going to keep up. Yeah, I mean, if, if this is Ohio, just imagine this being Ohio. And of the top five prospects in Ohio – Two are committed to Penn State, and the number one is committed to Wisconsin because that's what's happening in, at Penn State. That's Buckeye crazy. Nation would be calling for Ryan Day's head. 
Yeah, but and and that would be totally reasonable because like Ryan Day has shown he can recruit. James Franklin, for all the crap he gets, has shown that he can recruit. James Franklin should be getting more than possibly one of the top ten recruits in the state. I mean, listen, the number six recruit in the state is going to Pitt. Number eight recruit in the state is going to Pitt. You can't have Pitt have two more top ten recruit recruit or sorry top ten commits than you if you're Penn State. I mean, that's just crazy. I'm going to say that, you know, I, I think that if the Big Ten doesn't figure something out this week and reinstate the season and encourage Nebraska players to drop their lawsuit, that I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Big Ten has to turn over to the court on Saturday because uh, the Big Ten has been ordered by Saturday uh, to reveal a full – uh, you know, full documentation of the vote that took place uh, to postpone the season, as well as uh, its full conference bylaws. And I think the second part of that's actually most interesting to me because, I mean, there's even confusion, like, based on the brief that the Big Ten submitted in response to the initial motion for expedited discovery over whether they needed seven votes or nine votes to postpone the season and whether they need seven votes or nine votes to uh, reinstate the season. And so, I'm really interested to see those documents. I mean, I, I think that certainly puts pressure on the Big Ten, at least I thought so, to try to make something happen this week. But, you know, considering it's Wednesday and we don't seem to be any closer to a decision than we have been, it would seem as of, as of this moment right now that could change at any time that things are headed toward the Big Ten having to uh, respond to that motion on Saturday and, and provide the documents that Nebraska players are asking for. And, uh, you know, I, am interested to see what comes out of that. I think, uh, I think there's going to be some interesting revelations in, in those document, in those documents that, uh, could potentially make the big 10 look worse than it already does. You want to know why it's interesting? Cause we know nothing. <laughs> like, this is what's amazing. Like it might have nothing in it, but literally like redacted documents, just totally redacted documents would be more interesting. They can't have less than what we already have. We know nothing. All you get are people who are incredibly biased on every side of this reporting certain things. And it's impossible to follow because everybody has agendas and the big 10 is staying silent and nobody knows what to believe. Um, So yeah, whatever comes of it, it's going to be interesting because we all collectively as a whole know nothing because the people who are making that decision were the presidents and, and Kevin Warren was obviously in there. And beyond that, all we can do is sort of wait for public records requests to get returned or have this lawsuit turn up stuff. Cause you know, who's not talking Kevin Warren. So it would be awesome to actually get some semblance of answers about what happened. And not only Kevin Warren, but a majority of the university presidents and chancellors are not talking either. So we're just mm-hmm. not, we're just not getting uh, even a, a month now from a decision. We still don't have a lot of details. Yeah. And, and listen, all of those people, none of them want to make the Big Ten look any worse than it does right now. And yeah, sure. They, they can throw Kevin Warren out there to be the punching bag, but as a conference, they don't want the Big Ten to look terrible. So what they're not going to do is go and talk about how the Big Ten had no idea what it was doing. So the way that we're going to get these kind of, this kind of information is either going to be, you know, reporting or you know it's going to be FOIAs or it's going to be these lawsuits and I think that that's why this is interesting um second thing that I think and and you know maybe one of us touched on this a while ago but it's still interesting to me 
like John Wade, from from what I understand, was in Florida. Justin Fields is in Columbus practicing with Ohio State. I'll be honest. When Justin Fields came to Ohio State, this was a total business decision. I didn't really expect him to have any connection to Ohio State. And it really does feel like, you know, Justin Fields loves where he is. He loves Ohio State. He loves what, what he's got going on here. And that's why, like, you know, I assume that he's not going to play again for Ohio State, especially if the season starts in, like, November. But the fact that Justin Fields is still here, still doing things, um, still representing Ohio State, it makes – it's legitimately impressive to me because I didn't really expect this from him when it was clear he was up front. This was a total business decision. He didn't grow up a Buckeye. He didn't grow up wanting to play for Ohio State. He grew up in Georgia, and he tra- he didn't pick Ohio State out of college. Heck, he committed to Penn State. But he's at Ohio State now. He's in – he loves where he's at, and, you know, it's impressive to me to see him have that kind of commitment to Ohio State. I mean, we all saw the petition he did. He's still in Columbus. He's still t- he, he's still throwing footballs to, to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you guys. You mean he's not transferring to Georgia just because he showed up at a scrimmage to see his former teammates? Listen, cannot confirm or deny. It's just, you know, seems unlikely. We'll put it that way. No, I think – I agree for everything you said. I mean, I, I think Justin is really – fallen in love with Ohio State over the past year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right. But I think he came to Ohio State because he thought it would be his best uh, avenue to the NFL. And I think being a part of a team, being a part of a program has really made him love being a Buckeye and loves his teammates, loves his coaches. I mean, you can see it, you know, by starting that petition. I mean, this is someone who really, really wants to have another season at Ohio State. He really, really wants to compete for a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. And I, I think it's heartbreaking to him that he might not get that opportunity. And I think that is why he's still there. He's still there practicing, just hoping that the Big Ten is going to figure out something uh, so that, you know, he, he gets a chance to play this fall. I mean, I think you're probably right that if, if you know, you know, my guess is if the season starts any later than October, that Justin Fields is probably not playing another game at Ohio State but you know I I think the thing is I think for for right now at this very moment I don't think there's any down there's no downside to continuing to train at Ohio State because you've got one of the best quarterback developers in the country in Ryan Day working with you and you know Ryan Day even made that pitch a month ago that you know you know we'd love to have our guys stay even if they don't play for us because uh, we'll continue to, to, to train them and I think you know, certainly Ryan Day, I mean, he understands. He understands Justin Fields has a bright NFL future in front of him. And I don't think he's he, – he, he's not going to recommend anything to Justin that, that's going to, you know, be counterproductive to his chance to go be a very high NFL draft pick next year. So, uh, you know, I, I, I have confidence that, you know, Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, they're managing his training right now in, in a way that, that, that it's good for him. And I think – you know, if they don't get to play this fall and Justin ultimately, you know, if if that means Justin ultimately decides to move on and go train elsewhere, you know, I think the program will support him in that decision. But I think for right now, you know, there's no downside to, to continuing to train at Ohio State, uh, continuing to work with Ryan Day and, you know, throw to a really talented group of receivers and, you know, whatever whatever happens, happens. But, you know, certainly the fact that he's, you know, still going through all that, uh, tells you how much he cares about Ohio State. Yeah, it's become very apparent over the last few months. The last thing I think is just, you, you know, I, just I just don't know like 
you know, I, I mentioned before that like this feels like a real like first real football weekend, but like I still don't I just don't know that it's ever gonna really feel like a normal football season this fall. Like, you know, and I'm not saying it was ever going to, but like even just like watching games, like whether it's college or NFL, like it's just felt really off to me so far. And, and I, and I, I, you know, and I'm curious to see if I still feel this way in a couple of weeks, you know, once the NFL is in full swing, once the ACC and the big 12 and SEC are playing, uh, you know, regardless of what happens with the big 10, if it, if it starts to feel more like a real football season, but right now I'm just not there, you know, and I think a lot of it's just being so embedded with covering Ohio state that that just kind of dominates your thoughts and it just kind of, you know, everything else is kind of gravy. Uh, but it's just, it's just weird. It just feels really, really weird to see these other teams playing football in, in Ohio state. Not, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch. I mean, I'm writing about how guys are doing in the NFL. Like I, like I said before, I do think the NFL is going to be easier to get into than the other college games because, you know, it is a separate thing. You know, we have gone to some high school games and that's brought a sense of normalcy and I have enjoyed doing that, but it's still just weird. It's still just weird. It just, you know, it's been such a weird year and, you know, timeline is so off that I, I just don't know what it's going to be like watching football this fall. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I, I mean, me personally, I'm a little biased to actually get to see West Virginia play a full season of football, which or at least presumably get to see that. Um, it's what it looks like today, which as we all know, who knows if that'll actually happen but it'll be fascinating for me to see that but yeah from a an objective point of view who's normally used to paying attention to everything big 10 is used to watching Ohio State every single Saturday it's going to be really weird to 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 you know try and get into some sort of rhythm I don't think I'm going to pay for the 70 dollar Missouri State Oklahoma pay-per-view I'm I guess I'm glad that some people have that option, I mean I wouldn't but... under any circumstances pay 70 dollars <laughs> to watch Oklahoma play Missouri State or any team in the world play Missouri State. Yes. Or honestly, probably any team play any team, um, unless it's for a championship on the line, I guess. Uh, don't give ESPN any ideas, Dan. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see it when it happens. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get into a role. But I am a little bit skeptical other than, yeah, I'm fascinated to see what West Virginia looks like. Um, but I guess for my last thing that I've been thinking about is like, it drives me crazy that we spent five months thinking, Ooh, what's this fall season going to look like? What's it going to look like? And then you get to it and it's like, all right, we're going to postpone to the winter or spring. Have you talked about the winter or spring? No, we haven't talked about it at all or what it'll look like. And now for the last month, we've thought about, you know, you've seen all kinds of reports about, you know, are they going to play this fall? Are they going to play this fall? Can they figure it out? So now because they had zero planning about the winter or spring, they have to do two things at once, which is figure out whether they can play in the fall again, even though they already said they can't. And at the same time, figure out what a winter or spring football season would look like. And because they had zero planning for five months about what this thing will look like, now we're here where it feels like they're just dragging their feet. But in reality, I just feel like that they started from behind. And yeah, I'm not privy to the meetings. I guess maybe I'm wrong on this. But when you, are, when you fall so far behind and you don't have any of these plans for what you're going to do down the line, and you say, okay, we're going to do this thing that we haven't even discussed at all, that's crazy to me. That makes no sense to me. And the fact that, they, they, that people, are, people openly said that, and then what a month plus we're, we're nearing a month. I think tomorrow will be the month 
you know, the month anniversary of when they postponed um, the Big Ten season. And they don't, they still don't have anything set to me that's just crazy. And it goes back to the fact that there was no planning on this. And that's where Kevin Warren messed up again. I mean, there are a lot of things that Kevin Warren has messed up, but the fact that he and the Big Ten presidents and ADs didn't have a plan set in place of, you know, if this happens, then we'll do this. That's nuts to me. And, and it's an indictment on, on, on everything that they've been doing since. Yeah, I mean, look, this is an unprecedented situation. There's no blueprint for this. I do believe that there are a lot of people working hard behind the scenes right now trying to come up with a plan that works. Do I believe that those people are necessarily Kevin Warren or the presidents and chancellors? No. I I think it's probably mostly coaches and athletic directors who ultimately aren't making the decision on this thing, which is part of a problem with this whole process. But – I do believe there are a lot of people working hard right now trying to come up with a plan. Uh, But I think the reality is at some point you just got to figure it out. You just, you know, and you know, and I think there's, you know, I think we're getting to a point now where you're getting more and more people wondering, are they just purposely stalling at this point? you know, so that, you know, that October can't be an option and then they can truly shift their focus to November. I don't really think that's what's happening. I think there's so many different aspects of this that they're trying to figure out that they're just haven't gotten there yet as of right now, this moment we speak, but I, I, you know, I, I do think that the clock is very, very much ticking here. And yeah, and my point is they didn't help themselves because they didn't have any of these discussions beforehand. And if they had had those discussions, maybe it wouldn't feel to some like they're running out the clock, which honestly, like, I don't really see that as what's happening. I think that they're just behind and there are a ton of people with different agendas, a ton of people who want certain things to happen. And now they're trying to all figure this thing out on the fly. And because they didn't do the preparation, now they're paying for it. And it's taken a long time to figure this thing out. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you don't, you don't go to class for a whole semester and then you're, you're, you're trying to cram for a final exam of uh, the night, night before the test. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things here that, that should have been done uh, for months. These are conversations that should have been had. And I, and I think the other thing I look at is too, is like, okay, you made this decision a month ago to, to postpone the fall season. And I get why they did it then because teams were about about to start, up into fall camps and they didn't, they weren't confident that, you know, that would be safe. And so they decided that was when they need to pull the plug. But if you can make that decision so promptly without a plan for everything that's next, do you really need to have like a plan that covers every single thing to just say, we're going to play in October. We're going to play in November. Like I get that you got, I get that you want to be confident in what you're doing, but like, do they really need, like, I get, you you know, you got to know if you're going to have a testing and all that. I get that. But like, do they really need to know every single detail to just say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. So that way, at least like players and coaches can, can know what to expect. Like, I think just continuing to leave them in the dark with no idea of what to expect, no timeline at all of what's going to happen it's just not fair to all the people that are being affected by this. And at the very least at this point, you got to give some guidance of at the very least, you know, when approximately they're going to get to play games again. A month ago, Kevin Warren went public saying that they are not going to play in the fall. Since then, 
Jim Harbaugh is telling his team to like prepare to possibly play in October. We can play on ready, get ready for two weeks. And listen, maybe he knows something, but considering he's not exactly, I mean, it seemed like he's not exactly in hourly conversation with his president at, at Michigan. I'm not really sure that he knows exactly what's happening. Here's the issue. All of these players are practicing right now, having no idea what's ahead. And if there's any inkling of playing in the fall, you've got to say something. You can't just have a full month where maybe we'll play in the fall, but even though you publicly, your only statement right now is completely ruling that out. And if this is back on the table, dude, say something, say anything. It's been a whole month. You can release a BS statement that doesn't actually say anything, but says something and gives some sort of guidance up here. Sort of what we're doing. We're all working on this thing. It sounds better than doing literally nothing, saying literally nothing, feeling like you're doing nothing behind the scenes and getting played publicly because they're messaging right now. They hired a PR firm who knows what that PR firm is doing because they are getting killed publicly as they should because they're doing nothing. It makes them seem like they're doing nothing because they haven't said anything. And, and I don't know. It's just driving me crazy. It, it really is because their silence is just like, say something, say something. Your, your silence is you're losing people by the minute. Colin just bottled this up for the entire show and he just ready to unleash here. At the I, end. It's driving me. It drives me crazy i have no idea what's taken so long i really don't and 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 it just feels like that this is the issue is that they weren't prepared and then when it came to this now there are a ton of different competing interests they played it wrong and that it seems like they probably thought that the other conferences were going to cancel now it's like oh my god like what are we doing got to figure all this out and it's just a giant mess and i don't I mean, at this point, like, there's not really a right answer. Um, so good luck trying to find the right answer, Kevin Warren. It, it seemed like he was really trying to do by canceling, sorry, postponing the season. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just they're not going to come out of this as a winner. It would be nice yeah. if they could actually make some sort of decision or make it seem like that they're coming toward a decision anytime soon. Or if they're going to play in the fall, tell people you might play in the fall and don't have – Mike DeWine going out and saying we talked to Gene Smith and he said that we might go play in the fall. You got people out there saying that you might play in the fall when your only statement in a month is that you will not play in the fall. Like, can we get like, it's, it's crazy, but he, he might go from having one statement being we're not playing the fall here, are all the reasons why to the next statement being we're playing in the fall. Even if that's November, technically they're going to play, that would be playing football in the fall as Christina Johnson sort of, you know, hinted at, um, a week ago or two weeks ago when she had that interview with NBC4. I don't know. It's Yeah, you're right, Dan. I guess it's been bottled up because it's been driving me crazy, and, and the silence has been driving me crazy. It makes no sense. Yeah, They're not helping a, themselves. There's just absolutely no consistency in the messaging that's coming from figures from around the conference, from Kevin Warren to presidents to athletic directors to coaches. You just have all these different people saying these different things, and it's amazing that a month after the decision – the, the there's still a big 10 just still cannot get people on the same page, but you still got all these different people saying these competing things uh, that may or may not be true. And it, and it's hard for us to, you know, parse through what's true and what's not, you know, and I like, you know, I was having a conversation with people on like Twitter yesterday that were having, you know, they were expressing some frustration about, you know, why aren't we getting answers on this? Why aren't you asking these questions? And then like, guys, we're asking questions. We're just not getting answers. And, that's not just us as reporters. I mean, that's players, that's their parents, that's coaches. I mean, there's just so many people who are in the dark right now. And there's so many people saying different things that are acting it 
cross purposes from each other. And, and it's, it, it, you know, it just makes it all uh, very frustrating for everybody who's got any kind of investment whatsoever in big 10 football being played this year. And I mean, I, I think I've said it on this show like three or four weeks in a row. I just want them to make up their minds. I just want them to make a decision so that we can move forward. I mean, even, even if they don't play in the fall, it will suck. But I would rather they, I would rather they just get – if they're not going to play in the fall, I want them to just get everybody on the same page and just say, okay, we're playing in November, we're playing in January, and just start moving full speed ahead toward that. Because this back and forth, this will they or won't they, it's exhausting for everybody. And, you know, and, you know, and I, you know, we're not, you know, we are not Sir Yacht. We're not going to dangle out, you know, false carrots of hope, uh, you know, for everyone to eat up. We're just going to write about what, what we're hearing and what we're thinking. But the reality is uh, we're a month into this thing and I still don't feel like I have any clue what's coming next. So uh, hopefully, hopefully next week, We'll have Dan. Don't even say it. I feel like we've been jinxing ourselves by saying, "Hopefully, hopefully next week we're going to get answers." Who even knows? I mean, at this point, like we're probably going to ride into November, and like we'll be like, "Whoa, will they play January? January? (laughs) Will it be February?" Like, who knows anymore with these people? Like, I don't know. Like, listen, you get a reported vote by like one news. I think Bucknuts said at this time last week that they might be voting on Friday and then that changed like they're, they're reporting it seemed like maybe it would be Tuesday who knows anymore like I don't know is there going to be a vote no one nationally has corroborated that at all so I don't know um when will that vote even happen I have no idea would that like could that vote even lead to an October season at this point probably not unless you're going to start in late October which honestly seems reasonable to me if you're going to start in, in November might as well start in late October and give yourself at least some semblance of a shot at the college football playoff. I don't know. I don't think there are any good answers, but I do know what they're doing right now of just totally being silent isn't working. So it'd be nice to see them change. What a, what a saga this has been. What a saga this has been. We're all, we're all exhausted with it. Uh, But, you know, hope you guys enjoyed the show today. You know, try to, uh, save our rants for the end and uh, talk about some other stuff as well. So hope y'all enjoyed it. Glad Colin was able to get his feelings out there. Uh, the <laughs> I'm glad I saved it for the third one because the other two things that I had, um, they wouldn't have exactly, um, I guess, resonated as much if they came after that. Cause yeah, yeah I guess I was bottling that thing up for a while. I didn't realize it, but yeah, it, it's angry. It, it, I guess it's just, it's just like, what are we like? What have we been doing for a month? Like, what did like you that do? Taylor, you like that Taylor Twelman rant after the U.S. soccer loss. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Put me on his uh, someone Photoshop that. I'm here for that. But <laughs> we'll right. have to we'll have to do some uh, video editing here. Get some uh, get a Zoom clip of Colin ranting uh, alongside Taylor Twelman. Yeah, there, there's there's something to be done there. But I guess listen, I'll be back to rant again next week because I have no faith that that things can get figured out in a week. Yep. 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 I have a feeling we'll be ranting about something next week. Uh, So thanks again for listening to everyone and we'll talk to you again soon.